Praise be to God for, for the years. And there's so much more I could have put in there, but uh, my wife probably would have uh, had a talk with me later. I had like all the sermon series graphics to like, which one was your all's favorite, right? Did you all like the Gospel of John, Esther, Haggai? What did you all like? Nehemiah? Um, but uh, I, I kept it as short as I could. But the Lord has just worked through many of your all's lives. We've had our ups and downs, and I just I, I can't wait to just, just see what God continues to do. But as we consider the past, church, I want us to look to the future while considering the past. We're going to be in Colossians 1. And here Paul is encouraging the saints to trust and rest in the work of Christ. Okay, so Paul's encouraging them, hey, trust and rest in the finished work of Jesus. You see, they, they had an enemy wanting to discredit the credentials of these saints. Now we don't, however, look at our credentials, right? That, that's the issue here. He's telling, hey, don't let them discredit you. I'm sorry if you forgot, but it was never about you. We, we didn't bring anything to the table. Jonathan Edward, I, I love this quote. We use it a lot. But Jonathan Edward says, we uh, contributed nothing to our salvation except for the sin that made it necessary. And that's so true. And when you think about that, when you believe that and trust in that statement, you give all glory to God. It's like the only thing I did was made it necessary for Jesus to go to the cross to atone for my sins. And then you look at what Jesus did, his suffering in your place, not, not dying, not simply taking a bullet, the eternal wrath of the Father poured out on the Son so that his righteousness may be poured out onto you. That's what we get to look to. That's what we rest in, that hope that we have because of what Jesus accomplished. We fix our eyes upon Christ who credits his righteousness to sinful people who repent. Our main point for this morning, that's all we're going to have. We're not going to have supporting points, but one main point is because of your salvation, grow in your faith. Because of your salvation, because of what Christ did to atone for your sins, if you've repented and believed, grow in your faith. Now, this is so important because what we're not talking about is growing in your trust, right? You don't simply want to grow in trust. I think all truth leads to trust, right? All of this, all source of truth will lead you to trust, right? Or to lead you just to not believe. If you're a believer, though, all truth will lead to trust. You'll trust and rest in Christ and Christ alone. But not all trust is rooted in truth, there's a lot of us that we would say that we believe the gospel, right? And I'm just, I'm just trusting God. But in a sense, that's unbiblical, and I can give you one quick and clear example, right? If you say, I'm not going to pay my mortgage this month because I trust that God's going to take care of it. I trust him. He's sovereign. He's got it. Well, God's saying, well, I trust you to go to your job because I gave you the job to get the bills and, or get the money to pay the bills, right? Like, we can't do that. But there is a sense where our trust needs to be rooted in truth. So we look and we seek truth. We seek uh, knowledge from the word of God, wisdom from the spirit of God. Amen? Is everybody tracking with me? This is important because what we want to do this morning is get a pulse. First off, individually, right? And then individually, it turns to corporately. Because we are each members of the body, this local church. If you are a member here at this church... You are a member of the body, and without you, we are lacking. Without one another, we are lacking, so we need to check our spiritual health. But I want to turn here to Colossians chapter 1, if I can get there and talk too much. We're going to look at the, this encouragement from, from Paul. 
And it picks up here in chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. He says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. As it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Look at, look at Paul's admonition of these saints here in Colossae. Though he hasn't met them, he has heard of them. He's heard of their love for the Lord, and Paul is encouraged. We have not ceased to pray to thank God because of you. Since the day that you learned and you believed, right? He, he goes on talking about this, about how encouraged he is for what they're doing. And then you see here this, this theme of faith, love, and hope. Verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and then the, the love that you have for all the saints because of the what, church? Hope. So it's important not to separate these three central principles that we see throughout the scriptures and especially in Paul's epistles. Faith, love, and hope. And it is here that we see hope being the reason for their faith and their love, right? Their belief, their love, their trust in the Lord, but also their obedience, their love in serving their brothers and sisters, but also witnessing to those outside of these walls, those whom God has placed as their neighbors, both beside, in front of, behind, or above you, wherever you live, God has sovereignly placed you there so that because of the hope that you have, you may have faith and love to serve them. Now that love and serving, it leads from a place of, of truth and boldness, right? But with grace and peace, we go boldly proclaiming these truths that the world may hate and reject. Indeed, they do. But we boldly, faithfully proclaim that. And he says that. He says, because of the, the faith, right? He says, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. We cannot separate these. All right, we're going to do a sword drill. Kids, don't run, please. Someone bring me a Bible. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13, 3. Another one, bring me Galatians 5, verses 5 and 6. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. Walk it up here when you have it. And then Galatians 5, 5 through 6. We think uh, sword drills are really important for the kids, church, because we need to know how to navigate our Bible. We need to know how to turn to the, the word of the Lord. All right, this is 1 Corinthians 13, 3. You can go ahead and grab a, a bag while I do this. 1 Corinthians 13, 3, it says, If I give away all... I've delivered up my body to be burned, but I have not love. I gain nothing. Galatians 5, 5 through 6. 
It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoice, rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Down to 13, it says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. They are so closely connected. Galatians 5, 5 through 6, yeah, when you can grab one of those bags. It says here in Galatians 5, verses 5 and 6, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. These passages, they're, they're so important because they point to this truth that we need to be walking by faith, loving those whom God has placed in our life. Like, are we, are we doing these things? If someone were to write about the health of New Hill Church, if word got out to, to brothers and sisters in Ukraine, could they faithfully and assuredly write the same kind of letter that we, we thank God for you all. We hear of your faith. We hear that you've, you've come to believe in the gospel. We hear of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope that you have stored in heaven because of Christ Jesus. Do they see our faith, love, and hope in the way that we live for Christ? Look at verse 6 of Colossians 1. Coming out of verse 5, it says, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, verse 6, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and what? Increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. See, the gospel has gone forth. Church, indeed, the gospel has gone to the nations. The gospel has spread from uh, Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, the ends of the earth. It has gone out. And it is bearing fruit. I'm not a post-millennial. I don't, I don't have this optimistic view of everything just increasing and increasing. But assuredly, we know that God is at work. He's saving people to himself and for himself actively today. Right now as we speak, people are proclaiming Jesus as Lord for the first time by the power of the Spirit. Amen? It is increasing. The gospel has gone forth. And church, through each and every one of us, it should be going forth. And we rest assured that it is bearing fruit and increasing. See, Paul gives them, them this encouragement that the gospel's gone out. It's increasing. It's bearing fruit. It's increasing and bearing fruit, as also it does with you all. He's, it's not just out there, saints. He says it's with you. God is increasing the number of believers. God is, is increasing the fruit that is being born out of the life of those who were once dead. Increasing, not staying, not middle ground, not decreasing, not nothing. It's increasing. Church, imagine investing in something that just doesn't produce, right? It's just like it wouldn't make sense. How many of you all buy, buy tomato plants and just expect it not to produce? No one. No one wants to do that. So once a year, at least uh, for this bigger event, people gather together for a friendly fantasy football draft. 
And when they do, how many of you all play fantasy football? Raise your hand. Honestly, raise your hand, because I know some of you all are worried, especially if you had uh, some of those guys that played on Thursday, right? You know what I'm saying? Then you had Cam Akers, didn't do nothing. Yeah, big, big, big goose egg, right? And you draft a guy like that, and you see him not produce, and you're like, what is going on? I just invested in this guy to produce, and he's not producing. How much more so for the people of God who've been saved from death to life, been given the power of the Spirit to sit and to not do anything. Now we can look at this and we can be encouraged. Oh, they're being encouraged. They're doing great. They're growing. Everything's increasing. The expectation here is for the believer to produce good fruit. To produce good fruit that glorifies God. And goes on in verse 9. And so from, so listen, he encourages them, right? Bearing fruit, it's increasing. And as it also does among you, since you, the day that you understood. So the day, so church, let's start there. From the moment of their salvation, the day that they heard and believed by the grace of God, granting them faith, they've continued to bear fruit. And they've heard of this witness. They've heard. Paul has heard of this. And so, since you've been saved, church, since we've been saved, if you haven't repented and believed, the message to you right now is to repent and believe in the gospel and thus be saved. And to those of you who have been saved, since you've been saved, he says, since from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. What? What is he praying? Asking that you may be filled with what? Knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. The prayer that Paul has for the believers in Colossae is that they would be filled with knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Paul here, church, is pushing them to grow. Not simply trust, I just trust Jesus, you're going to pay this bill and I don't have to do anything. That isn't going to get it done. And that is unholy, unbiblical, straight up sinful. Us men, we would love to do that, right? We'd love to sit around and play video games or read books, just sit around the yard, chop wood, just do whatever we like to work on cars, whatever you like to do, and not go out and provide for our family. That's the easiest thing to do, right? Just trust in God, but it's not biblical. And Paul says, since your salvation, since you've been saved, what our prayer has been is that you may be filled with knowledge, the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. It is not right for the man or woman of God to sit stagnant, not in mission and not in knowledge. See, some of us, we need to hear that, right? We love acquiring knowledge. Oh, we've got all this knowledge, but we never go out and witness. We never go out and disciple. We never go out and do anything with our hands or feet as Christ has called us to do. Now you've got the opposite end of that, that goes out and does everything, will serve at every event, and I don't need to know doctrine. I don't need to study theology. It's not important. I need to go and spread the love of Jesus. Now both are true. All Christians everywhere across all time are called to go and to tell people about the Messiah, the one who was to come and now for us, the one who came and is coming again. 
to go and to tell the nations what he did and to teach all that he commanded. There's a huge word there, all. Jesus didn't say, go make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe some of what I've commanded, the gospel or this or that. He says, all that I've commanded. We have to have knowledge, and that knowledge should lead to right worship, and it should lead to right orthopraxy, right? Not just orthodoxy, having sound theology, but orthopraxy, having sound practice, that we apply that which we have learned, right? There's no point in having a file cabinet mind that you just throw it in there and it's just all this knowledge is useless, right? No, we want a cloud-based kind of database where we have it all and we're using it on the go because we need to. We need to be on the go. As you were going, make disciples. Verse 10. So listen, I've not ceased to pray for you. Verse 9, right? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Why? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit and every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. We study, we learn, we grow so that we may bear fruit and grow in the knowledge of God. The reason your pastor's here, some of you all may think, oh, these guys, they just... They just need to go to seminary and go hang out with some seminary guys and talk. We don't want to. We would rather talk to any of you all who don't know what Noah's Ark is and just invest in you and love on you and not say, you don't know what Noah's Ark is? No, we want to tell you about what that meant. When it says baptism, Noah's baptized, right? The, the baptism of Noah, what did that mean? We want to talk about those things with you. We love to study theology. Why? Because we love God. We love Jesus, and all right, sound theology and doctrine should lead to right worship of who God is. We don't look at it and be like, man, God is so good. I know this doctrine, that doctrine, and this doctrine, and that doctrine. You all hear my resume? No, we say, wow, God is amazing. He's immutable. He's, he's never changing. You know what that means? That means that you can trust him in whatever moment it is that his promises stand true. That's how you start to apply those doctrines, not just saying God's immutable and everybody's like, what's immutable mean? No, explain it. That's why we love to study theology because the end result of good, sound theology is right practice of God. It's upright practice and praise and worship of who God is. See, church, right here is where we plant our feet for a moment. Paul is praying for all these things and knowledge and growth, to be growing and growing and growing. Because they've been saved, right? That's the whole premise. Because of your salvation, our prayer is that you would continue to grow. Your pastors, we, we pray for each other that as pastors we would continue to grow. Not just as pastors, but as believers first. As husbands and fathers second. And as pastors down the line. But we pray for one another to grow. We pray for each and every one of you to grow in your faith. So the question here that we have to ask as we look back at five years, those of you who joined us in 2016 or 17 or 18, 19, 20, 21, or this year, have you been bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God? Have I? Have we been bearing fruit and increasing, right? Not like, hey, yeah, a year ago I did something really good, and it's like, that's awesome. 
is it increasing, right? Like as a church, we can look back and we can say like, man, those are the glory days. Why? As a church, it should never be like that. Now, I got the, the glory days back when I like look at Babe Ruth baseball when I was playing in Babe Ruth. That was the league. It was like right after Little League. So it was like 13, 14, and 15. Those were like my glory days. I always tell my dad, I'm like, man, you remember I hit that ball? And dad's like, man, you got to grow up. I'm like, you always tell me about when you played football. It's just my days now, man. Like my back hurts if I swing a bat, whatever. It's the glory days, right? We talk about those glory days. As a church, we look to the glory day, the glorious day when Christ returns. We don't look back at, hey, our health was good in the, the first two years or the third year, or it really picked up in the fourth, and, and we keep living in that moment. No, right now, let's ask ourselves the real question, have I been bearing fruit and growing in the knowledge of God? Now, you can ask this question as a follow-up. Do you know some more, or do you better understand something you always knew a little bit about? Like, do you know more than you did last year about the Lord? Or is there something that you knew last year, it's like, just learning a little bit of this doctrine the pastor's been talking about called Calvinism. Now I understand it a little bit better, right? I, I heard about it, but now I actually spent some time studying. Or when we talk about prayer, right? Do you understand prayer a little bit better this year? Do you understand the sovereignty of God, the immu immutability of God a little bit better this year? How are we growing Last sword drill. Kids, can someone bring me 1 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3? Walk it up here when you have it. I'm going to read this to us real quick, church, while they're turning there. It's talking about increasing in the knowledge of God and work. Thank you. Okay, this says here from 1 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. Thank you so much. You can grab one of those bags. Thank you. Listen to what Peter says there. Like newborn infants. So when you become a Christian, you are a newborn infant. Spiritually, you were dead. Now you've been brought to life. You're not just like, I'm like a 28-year-old Christian. No. I came to faith when I was 14. I'm a 14-year-old Christian. So Peter, he says here, says, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good. Church, this is so important. The question here at hand for, for Peter isn't if you are going to grow. It's as you're growing, right? Like if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you will grow. And it will increase and increase and increase. And those who leave the church were never part of it. They were part of the visible church, not the invisible church. We can be a part of this local body. We can play along. And if we never ask ourselves the real question, we may be at the opposing end of Jesus with the words when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. That's why we ask these difficult questions. And if you are a believer, the encouragement should be, how am I growing? Am I committed to a group? Am I going to set time aside once October rolls around to be plugged into a group? If you're a teenager here, are you going to make time to be a part of the youth group? Because that fellowship is important, that learning is important, that growth and that time together, holding one another accountable is important. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. I want to finish here in Colossians and we'll wrap it up. 
Paul's prayer is for them to grow and grow and grow so that God would be glorified. He says in verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He turns the eyes upon Jesus. He focuses their hearts and their minds on Jesus and the finished work of the cross to encourage them to bear fruit. When we look at Jesus on the cross, it should push us forward, not backward. When we look at the cross of Christ, we no longer look at our resume. We understand when we focus on the cross our depravity before he intervened. We understand that he died in our place, suffered what we deserved to give us what we could never earn. So those who were trying to discredit this church and saying, what do you have? What do you bring to the table? We praise God this morning saying, we have nothing. But Lord, you are everything. So we lay our sin at your feet. We are assured of our forgiveness. And Lord, we pray by the power of your spirit, we would be conformed into the likeness of your son and that we would bear fruit. So that's my prayer for us this morning, church. Groups are getting ready to start back up in uh, October. There's so much, church, that I'd love to see done this year. But it starts with here and now, us asking the question in our hearts, is how have I been growing? And it can be really depressing when you realize that you've been in a state of like no growth. Let me tell you, I've been there. I've been there probably more recently than I'd like to admit. But I've been there where it's just like life has just become monotonous. We're just doing our routine. School's back in. So you just feel like you're just trying to catch up with this new routine. And the easiest thing to push to the side is your devotion to the Lord. Let us step back and say, woe is me. Lord, go before me, lead me, guide me in all areas of life. And may you be praised. Lord, I just want to know more about you, and I want to tell people all about you. I want to learn and grow from your word, which is truth. And by this truth, may I learn to trust you more faithfully, resting in the promises that have and the promises to come. Will we stand this morning and go ahead and you can stand and we're going to sing this last song and it's, it's all praise the name. We're just going to praise Jesus. And if you're a believer here, Ask that question, how have I been growing? And then the difficult part is, what are the next steps? Because if we recognize a problem, we need to step it up, right? We need to, to focus in on God and his word and grow. Revelation says there's no such thing as lukewarm Christians. There's light and there's dark. You're in one or the other. To those of you who have not repented of your sins and believed in the gospel, now would be the time. You can do it where you are. We don't do the hand-raising thing. You can just repent and believe and come tell me because I'd love to celebrate with you what God has done in you. Church, we're going to gather. We're going to fellowship. We're going to eat some good food and play some cornhole and just spend time with one another. But as we do that, let us focus in on this word that because we've been saved, we need to grow. The way to grow as a believer is to yield to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit as He guides. Let's pray. Lord God, as we look back at those pictures, God, we are just in awe of who you are, what you've done, and what you're going to do. God, we're thankful for our church family. For those who have left, God, we pray that you would be with them. God, we just pray that they'd be plugged in somewhere, serving you and exalting the name of Christ our Savior. 
God, to those we haven't met yet, Lord, we pray that you would just show us those open doors so that we, because of the hope that we have, would share our faith and love on those by standing boldly on the truth of your word. Lord, we pray that that in the many years to come, God, as the health of this church is considered this morning and individually, God, that, yeah, we could say, yeah, there's so much good going on. But what can we do to continue to grow? What can we do to continue to grow spiritually as individuals collectively a part of this family to use the gifts, God, that you've given us so that we may glorify you with our hands and feet going out and sharing this good news? Father God, we love you and we praise you. Just ask that you would just continue to use us for your purpose and for your glory. God, we pray all these things by the power of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.